1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Mike Boris and this is Straight Talk. One of the greatest records in terms of the fight game of any Australian ever. Hey.
0: Ever. Take your mind off the possibly 100,000 people that you're competing in front of. The bell rings and then it's go time now. My whole life, I just wanted to be a, a fighter. Charming part of the fuck. It's so You average. were more about the romance of the fight game. Oh, for sure. I wanted to be that guy that came in and saved the day or protecting my family and my parents. I remember being a little kid, living on horse farms, uh, was isolated, being an only child. Mm-hmm. And dad told me that he had two amateur boxing fights and I just thought he was a superhero. Just out of the blue dad goes, let's jump in the car son, we'll go buy some boxing gloves. We pushed the chairs out of the lounge room and that became our new sparring room. Just as I was about to start winning that dad really announced your retirement. (laughs) You're doing well, you keep at it. (laughs) (laughs) So that just kept me on that path then. So I don't want to have the story where I could have and I didn't. The only thing that mattered to me was becoming a world champion. So all up, what have you got? One hundred and fifty. One forty-nine. Oh, okay, one forty-nine bouts. That's crazy. <laughs> I just, wish I had one hundred and forty-nine more. Oh, I missed it so bad. This is the hardest part about being retired because for thirty-five years I've only had one focus. And then all of a sudden, that whole goal and that whole dream is just it just stops. It's an absolute honour to be a martial artist for the last 35 years. Yes, it's so hard.
1: Feel as though then the next phase of your life is about inspiring and motivating
0: others. Yeah, um, with with my kids, I, it makes me so proud to see them achieve their own martial arts dream. I'm really excited about this, John Wayne Parr. Welcome to Straight Talk, mate. Mate, thank you, so, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure to be here. It's so surreal to be in the studio and face to face. It's surreal for me as a as a, a fight fan, but
1: a mad fight fan. But um, it's probably my point from my point of view. It's more surreal for me to be sitting in front of probably one of Australia's greatest exponents of the fight game, whether it be boxing, well, particularly Muay Thai, kickboxing, etc. I mean, most people don't know, which is kills me, which is why I want to talk to you that you probably would hold one of the greatest records in terms of the fight game in of any Australian ever. Hey. Ever. And no one ever talks about it. So, uh-huh. JWV. So, <laughs> let's just uh, – first and foremost, are you, were you always a Queenslander?
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. I was actually born on the uh, border uh, in Aubrey. The Aubrey boy. Uh, yeah, Aubrey. So, my, my parents were horse trainers. Yeah. So, uh, my mum my was a jockey. My dad was a jockey. Uh, my dad was a leading jockey in Aubrey at the time when I was born. And then um, I remember being a little kid, living on horse farms, uh, was isolated, being an only child. And dad told me that he had two amateur boxing fights. And I just thought he was a superhero. My dad was a I didn't see him compete, but just the fact that he told me he boxed, it's like, wow. And then... Um, being influenced by the TV and seeing Monkey Magic. And I remember when I was uh, a bit younger, the, the movie Karate Kid came out. The Karate Kid? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, cause I moved a lot as a kid. I ended up going to uh, 11 different schools growing up. And then the story of the Karate Kid was the kid starting school and being isolated and having to start fresh. And then um, I, I could relate to him because I was always a new kid going to all these different new schools. And then uh, martial arts was his... Uh, a savior, uh, to give him keep him uh, a direction. So yeah, I could I could definitely relate and then um my whole life I just wanted to be a, a fighter of some sort. Really. Uh, whether yeah. whether it be boxing, karate, taekwondo I just wanted to fight Rock and Wrestling, Hulk Hogan, um, long as I was competing. Yeah, that's all I wanted to do. And then um We'd move around, move around, move around. And then at the age of 11, we finally moved to Brisbane and we and sort of in the suburbia. And then uh, a friend of us told her there was a taekwondo school near our house. It was walking distance. Uh, and it was a little bit late at night. My parents gave me the permission to, to go out at night and go for, uh, four streets down the road to the Karate Hall. And then, um, yeah, that's when uh, the, the the obsession began. Um, w- walking oh, to the, how old? Uh, I started when I was eleven. Eleven years old, so uh, eleven years of age. You're going to a, a
1: d- down to a taekwondo uh, place or gym. Yes, yeah. and uh, Brisbane's a pretty safe joint, relatively speaking, especially back then. Yes. What, uh, what year was that? Now around
0: uh, the eighties. 80s? Eighties, uh, yeah, for sure. Eighty-seven actually. Eighty-seven. Okay, it's so like you, before Expo, remember, before, yeah, remember yeah, Expo? Do you yeah, <laughs> remember that
1: before the Brisbane <laughs> Expo? So are you're, you're, you're here's a kid, uh, sort of um, uh, excited. Uh, about the sort of romance of um, what TV shows were showing us in those days about uh, fighting, but as opposed to um, having to learn to fight. Because it's not as if uh, – w- what you're saying to me, I guess, is that you weren't a kid who was living on the streets who had to learn how to defend himself. You're not like Mark Hunt, for no, example, no. who's going to you know defend for his life. Yes. You know, um, I mean, dreadful upbringing. Um, you were more about the romance of, of the fight game. Oh,
0: for sure. Um, That's mad. Uh, yeah, the idea of, uh, seeing, uh, people that, um, weren't, aren't strong and having that protector. I wanted to be that guy that came in and saved the day if anything went wrong or, or protecting my family and my parents or I always thought martial arts was, um, a way of, yeah, being, being that guy that stood out from the crowd. Um, yeah, like you said, the romance with, um, being, being a fighter. Uh, yeah, it was very cool. Um, I remember walking to the hall for the first time and seeing everyone in their, in their geese and then they're all, punching and um, um counting in korean and I'm, oh this is this is real and then um we did our first class and i was out the back just swinging away just trying to be somebody and then um yeah from the first class like this is me i'm done i, I want to do this forever and then i uh, and then about two or three sessions in mum and dad seen that i had a passion for it so i got my first ski and then that uh the idea of staying in front of the class and, and hearing the, the the geese snap when you do your punches in the air. It was, it, was, it was so crazy. It was so cool. And and did the, you go through all
1: the belts? Because I mean, uh, Taekwondo is very formulated. Yes. Uh, in that, you know, you've got to do these 10 moves and you get your yellow belt. Then you do these 10 moves, you get your blah, blah, and you get, Did you go through all that process? I went
0: through about uh, three gradings. Yeah. Um, did you the, think to yourself that what
1: the fuck is going on did you end up sparring with
0: that Uh, I went into um, one competition for the Queensland titles when I was uh, 10 and then it was at the uh, the, the, sorry 11 sorry uh, at the QE2 Um, so I had to have three fights in one day Uh, I won my first two got to the final uh, fought a kid that was a little bit older than me Um, just got beat but I got uh, a silver medal and then I remember just putting them around my neck just saying I've made it. I've got a silver. This is, this is crazy. Went home and I, uh, no, sorry. So at the end of the, um, end of the day, they had like a, a grading and people were breaking boards. And then that just even blew my mind even more. So, oh. And then um I watched him break all these boards and then the, the trainer called me up and then um he said, do You wanna have a go? And I said, like, oh, I don't think I can. And he talked me into it, you can do it, just put my positive mindset, punch through the board. So I did the one, two, three, and bam, I broke through it. I thought, oh, this is I'm oh, this is I'm awesome. So I took half of the board home with me. And then um, I got home and I said to dad, "Dad, hold this board. I want it." And then, not knowing that there's a certain design for the board, <laughs> so it does held it. And I've gone through the same motions: one, two, and I try to. And I think I ended up breaking my knuckles more. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I, I thought I was a man. But yeah, that quickly brought me back to reality. <laughs> so, so it's not as
1: if you're a kid getting picked on because you're a middleweight. You fought as a boxing. Oh, I, was,
0: I was small growing up. Were you? Yeah, but always a new kid. Uh, every time I just get a set of friends, mum and dad would sit me down. Oh, it's time to move again in time to go interstate or I was always going interstate and always always the new kid so um yeah just as I just started to get a group of guys then um it's time to go so um I think that's what helped me later on in life when I had moved overseas to Thailand because um, I was always new and uh able to make friends easily and uh, the to different locations. And I was just, um, yeah, I could stay there for long term f- without having to get home because I didn't have a home. Yeah, yeah, weren't used to it, yeah. having have a one place. Well, can you take me
1: to the part where you – Moved away from Taekwondo, for example, and started doing, say, kickboxing, Muay Thai. What, what, what was the next step in your career, Chase, the thing you ch- chased?
0: Yeah, so uh, we did Taekwondo for about a year and a half, and I was just set. this was going to be my life from here on in. And then, unfortunately, the Taekwondo school numbers started to drop down, and they couldn't afford their rent anymore. So um, eventually, we went in the class one night, and the instructor said, got us all to sit down. So "Unfortunately, unfortunately, um, this is our last class, um, yeah, we have to move to a different location, and and then yeah, I was devastated because I didn't know what what I was going to do. And um, lucky for me, uh, uh, kickboxing ended up moving into the same hall a few months after the Taekwondo left. And I thought, oh, it's not Taekwondo. I'll do this as an activity until I find another Taekwondo school. And then, um, yeah, we did that first kickboxing class, and now all of a sudden, the guys are in shorts and singlets, and they're wearing boxing gloves and they're hitting pads. Because in time, I know we're just punching in the air; we mm-hmm. never had any contact really. And then, um, and then the idea of sparring—it's like whoa! And then, uh, yeah, that just c- completely changed my mindset, and it's like, all right, I said, I want to be a kickboxer now." And then, um, just so happened the movie Kickboxer with Van Damme came out uh, right at the same time as I started kickboxing. I thought, "How good is this?" Um, I w- could be in Taekwondo, wanted to go to Korea, and now, now Van Damme's going to Thailand, and, and it's like, and he's finding the the most scariest guys. I'm like, this is me. I want to go to Thailand. I want to, I want to be this guy. So, and then, um, for the next 20 years, Van Damme was my, my, um, uh, my, my go-to every time I got stuck, what would Van Damme do? Ah, he'd, he'd stay the course. So that just kept me on that path then. So, and then I always wanted to tell myself, um, no distractions. Uh, I was working in kitchens, trying to get by in high school um, on the weekends. And you'd always hear the the different chefs and waiters and stuff always say, oh, I could have been this, but I got so far. And then I stopped because of the wife or the job or the location. So I don't want to be one of you guys. I don't want to have the story where I could have and I didn't. Um, no, I want. Uh, I'm not going to let work, girlfriends, and locations stop me from achieving what I want to achieve. And um, that was my mindset from from like 11. So um, yeah, I'm very lucky to stick to it and uh, accomplish what I want to accomplish. So when, when you said you you don't want to let anything distract you from achieving what you want to achieve, did
1: you actually have in your mind? I want to become a world champion i mean what what did you want to achieve or did you want to become in the movies or so what yes what, what was a world world the world champion the only
0: thing that mattered to me was becoming a world champion. um so so my mum forgets this conversation but when i was about i don't know two or three weeks in the kickboxing I, w- I was sparring and i help, i was sparring the adults and i was a kid and i hold on my own and i um end of the class i come home i uh, ended the come home to, to see mum and she's in bed getting around to sleep like, Mum. I did really well. I I think I can go. I think I can be a world champion one day. And she laughed. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, um, that's good. You got a, a dream and just mock me. Um, and and then she didn't know, but I held it to her in like all oh, like twenty years. And then when I finally did win my first world title, I said, "See, Mum, I told." You. And she goes, "I have no idea what you're talking." about. But I had this grudge all this time, and she didn't even know. But she inspired you; she didn't yeah, know. she, she, she,
1: she was motivated. My, yeah.
0: Every time, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Can you uh, take me to
1: the first time you went to uh uh to do to do Muay um in Thailand, and you moved to
0: Thailand? Can you take me through that? Yeah, it was terrifying. Um, so I was a 19 year old kid. Uh, I'd I'd won about five fights in a row in Australia. Uh, I won my, uh, my first Australian title at 17, and then I won the South Pacific title at 19. And um, then the South Pacific title was really tough. I got dropped in the second round with leg kicks. And then uh, I held on super tight for the round three and four. And then the last round, I needed to knock out the win. And uh, I have a Thai sponsor that's got a restaurant in Broadbeach um, called Boonchu. And then um, he came up in the corner, grabbed me by the top of the hair, and, and he said, come on, you need to knock this guy out. You're going you're gonna to lose. And internally, I started like crying emotionally, going, oh God, I don't want to let Richard down. He's helped me so much. I, I feel so bad. I'm losing. And then um ended up going out in the, in the last round and scoring the knockout with 30 seconds to go. I won the South Pacific title. And then uh, the next day, I took the belt down to the restaurant. Richard, we did it. We did it. Without your help, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. And then um, he goes, last night you showed a lot of heart. I, I believe you have the potential to go all the way. How would you like to go to Thailand and learn from the best? I'd love to go to Thailand. So I'll tell you what I do. If you can organize your passport, I'll do the rest. Okay, so I went down to the post office, did the sort of send away for the passport. Passport comes about a week later. Uh, go down the shop. Hey, Richard, my passport came. He grabs me by the hand. We walk down another uh, couple hundred meters down the, from the shop to the travel agent. I want a six month ticket to Thailand, please. Open ticket. He said, uh, you gotta promise me six months. If you can last six months in Thailand, you'll make me very proud. Um, if you go for one week, one month, you'll get there trained, but then it's not gonna really sink in. So if you go six months long term, then you'll create muscle memory and then you'll be able to bring that technique back. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So um uh so Richard's family was leaving at the same time. So I went with his uh his brother, his wife and their daughter. So flew to Thailand. Uh we drove to the uh, where Richard's brother was staying. I introduced introduce everyone. And then the family I went with, they say, oh, we're to go now, see ya. So I'm left with all these strangers and they can't speak English. I can't speak Thai. And then um, we go upstairs and, the, and the, the brother, he shows me the double bed. He said, oh, we share? We share? So for three months I had to share this double bed with this um, uh, Richard's brother who couldn't speak English. So we had everything was hand signals, so hungry, sleepy, <laughs> uh, training. Um, so I end up staying at a, a gym called Sijutong. And then um, trained there for ages. Whereabouts in Thailand? Uh, this was Padia. Padia. So um, the only thing was, it was a very westernised gym. Uh, they had um, no 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 gyms in Thailand really wanted to accept foreigners back in the 90s because uh, they were worried that the westerners were going to come in, learn their sport, then start beating them at their own game. And then Thais are very proud of the Muay Thai and their heritage, so um, all the camp's like no 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 westerner no westerner. But I uh, see you talking open arms, so I went there. Uh, train train trains but the only thing was there was like say 40 westerners and then um, it was like a factory so they everyone would go for a week come through a week later they'd leave and the new westerners come so the, you weren't getting any sort of love from the trainers everyone was just like a, a factory so you get three rounds on the bag for 25 rounds and then you're done it's like oh, I could do this at home what am I doing so they finally get me a fight uh, about three months in uh, it's very tough. Uh, end up end up winning by knockout in the fourth. And then uh uh the superstar of Thailand at the time, his name was Sangtin Noi, it means the small candlelight flame. He uh, he came to Australia to fight and he met my sponsor and then um Richard. Richard, yes, Richard met this my uh, uh, And then uh Richard begged them, hey, can can John Wayne come and train with you guys please? Um He's not very happy where he is. And we don't want Westerners. We don't want Westerners. And then Richard begged them so much that um they finally accepted. It's so, all right, fine. So when they got back to Thailand, they came and picked me up. They took me to the camp. And now I'm in Bangkok. And uh, now everything's changed. So now uh, imagine all of Brisbane and you're the only white guy. It was like, wow. And then they take me to the camp. And then we don't have a they, – they, he changed me the toilet – there's no toilet. It's just a squat toilet, a porcelain yep. squat toilet. And there's no toilet paper. So there's a big basin with a, a blue tub sitting on top of the water. And you use the, the tub to pour in water into your hand to wipe your bottom. And then uh, there's no shower. So you, you use that same blue tub to stand on the concrete, wet your body, lather up on soap, then you use the uh, to rinse off. And then with the same blue tub, you use that to pour water in your mouth after you brush your teeth. there and you're sharing that one blue tub with ten different boxes in the room, and they're all brushing their teeth, pooping, uh, showering, Muay thai guys. <laughs> all Muay Thai guys. So and then um we go upstairs and it's uh just an empty room, and then you sleep side by side on the on the wooden floor next to the other fighters. So oh, this is a bed. Oh, I sleep next to the ball, so I only got one guy beside me instead of having two guys beside me. So I sleep beside the wall and then, um, with no table or chairs for food. So we've got to sit cross-legged on the wooden floor to have our rice and have our meals. And, um, say, say when the food comes out, you get four or five di- different dishes in the center. Everyone gets a plate of rice and then everyone goes one spoonful at a time. So a little spoonful of rice. And then, then it's like a community sharing. You can't just pig out and say, this is mine, this is mine. Um, so, and then yes, no girls either. So it's 10 dudes. 24 7, just, um, waking up, training, eating, uh, a little nap during the day, training again. Um, and then after your fight, you're allowed seven days off. So jump on a bus, go to a patio for, um, a three hour bus ride. Be a Westerner for seven days, Spe- speak English, might have a hamburger, sneaky little hamburger, <laughs> and then, um, jump back on the bus and be a Thai again. So yeah, it was such a, such a life changing, um, opportunity. And then my Thai trainer said, I don't want to teach you Thai boxing. I want to teach you to be Thai. Um, our, our culture, our our everything. So, um, learning how to be polite and how the older generation is um uh, very important. Always be respectful. Always uh, why first and always um instigate first. They're helping people. And so that um, um, and my, during my career, I was very lucky. with people were always commenting, "Um, you're so polite. Why are you so polite?" because I lived in a country where everyone was a killer. So you got to be very polite when, when, when you use, definitely use your please and thank yous when you know every single person can knock you out.
1: <laughs> do, 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 do. Well, what is it about Muay Thai? Um, culturally, it's very important in Thailand. Oh, for sure. Um Can you share with me perhaps why it's so culturally important? I mean, it's not just a, a, a sport. It's more than that. I mean, I've been to them and it's, it's rituals and – People just love it. Like it's not like if I go to a boxing match you know, you know, you know the Blake next. You might know a couple of people and you watch a couple of fighters, and you might know. But there is a, it's a, it's like lifestyle. Oh, and it's extraordinarily important. It's a bit like sumo in Japan, nearly. It's up there. Yes. Well, what, what is that about it? I mean, how does it fit into the Thai life?
0: Um, it's it's a national sport. So we play football and rugby. Um, and over there, they're Thai box. So so there's. There's uh, stadiums all over the country. They've got massive stadiums in Bangkok and they've got the smaller stadiums on the outskirts. Um, they've got temple events and then it's an opportunity for people to survive. Um, so in our camp, for instance, uh, we'd be resting during the day and hear knock on the gate and there'd be parents with a, a seven-year-old son and then uh, the, the manager would come out and the parents would plead uh, plead their case. Oh, look, my we've got five kids. We can't afford to keep them all. Um, would you please accept our son to into your camp to be a fighter? And then the trainer will look him up and down and feel his little arms. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, sure, you can be one of us. So then um, the parents will hand him his little backpack and he'll give his parents a wide a little hug. And then the, the parents will walk away and the next minute that that seven year old becomes property of the camp from here on in. And then from that moment the the fighters become his family. So then um the first week he'll cry his eyes outs cause his separation from his parents. And we have gotta try and calm him down. That's okay, little buddy, we we're your family now. And then we've got to show him how to how to run, how to hold his hands up and show him how to hit the pads. And then um he's gotta become a man from that moment forward. Uh, and now um, he has to fight to make prize money to survive off whatever he can make. So within, say, a month or so, he's competing for the first time, and that fear of having to compete, and then um, if he becomes a, a... a superstar like he can make 10 times the average uh, wage um compared to uh, someone working on a a regular job so the potential there to to make um a lifestyle is up to the child and and once they start they have everyone has a passion for it they start collecting the magazines and they start putting the posters on the wall start having um heroes to emulate and yeah it's it's really cool that that uh violence is the answer (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's a way out it's a way out it's a way out so on the, on the flip side, though, if you're a girl, yeah, boys go to fighting, the girls go to the other side, the dark side, and um, it's so much better to be a boy in Thailand than to be a girl. Cause, Is that right? Oh, yeah, because... Um, does Muay Thai go for girls? To, to, uh, it does now. Yeah, yeah. But we can I say that it was, girls were uh, considered... Not equal, and then um, there even be signs at the stadiums. Please, no females leaning against the ring, because they were scared that they they, they give the bad juju. Uh, the guys were cut from um, elbows and stuff because the girls had touched the ring and um, uh, infected it with their the yeah so like bad luck. Girls, girls couldn't fight whatsoever. They couldn't lean against the ring. No ring card girls. And it's only from about the year 2000 that they started going. Okay, there's interest here. So instead of having the, the one ring, we'll have two rings. So one ring for the boys, one ring for the girls. And then eventually they say, "Well, we can't do that. That's unethical." So we'll have the boys fight first, and the girls fight last in case the girls infect the ring. Bef-. And then they got the stage where it's like, "Oh, no one's getting." So we'll just make it a, a normal part. Of- now, now the females are more popular than the males. It's yeah. um, so bizarre how the whole country's um, changed, turned a leaf. But yeah, for a while there, they were so sexist and everything else. But
1: um- I remember many, many years ago, um, the first time I went to a, a muay Thai competition in Bangkok. Um, it wasn't just the fighters. They had young kids, little boy it was, a yeah. young boy, 10, 11, just charming a snake like, oh. a, like a cobra in yeah. the middle of the ring between fights. Oh, yep. Like it's a full entertainment yeah. thing and it's nearly religious experience. Like, uh, you know, the way everybody, um, you know, they wear the, the band around their head yes. and, uh, they, and, you know, they address each other f- f- really fully well-mannered and respectful. It's nearly like, a, it's, it's nearly ritualistic in a lot of ways, just including the way you dress. Yes. I mean, what's that all about?
0: Um, so the headpiece is called a mongkon, and then we have a papa jets which go on the arm. And then there was a, a gentleman that got captured by the um, Cambodians. I think it was, was, they captured him. And then, um, uh, yeah, they, they make people fight to the death. And he ended up having uh, nine fights in a row, and he, and he won all nine. And then uh, the, the, the king... Said I'm gonna allow you your freedom, and when he came back to Thailand again, he was um, considered a hero. And then the sport of Muay Thai was um, suddenly the kings suggested that we're gonna teach our uh, army, our police, our all our and to to learn this art to protect the country. And then um, when when he was faced with death, he he put the Muakon on like a sacred. Uh, peace, probably from his family or something, and then uh, he's asking for permission from the the gods. So I, I was always taught to ask for permission from the earth, the wind, the fire, the water, and, and your god of choice. And then um, and then you do three bows. The first one's for the gods, and the second one is for your your family, your mother, father, past relatives, and then the third one is for your training partners, pad holders, uh, sparring, everyone that's helped you get to that right moment in time. Um, without them, you wouldn't be there. So you're asking permission from them, and then you, you start like the dancers as as a stretch and a warm up, and so take your mind off the possibly hundred thousand people that you're competing in front of. And then um, when you sort of come out of your trance, all right, it's go time now. You're ready to rock and roll. And then the bell rings, and then um, off you go. So hopefully, the little the little dancers give you some good 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 protection in between.
1: Do you remember your first fight, Muto fight? In oh Thailand? yes, for sure.
0: Um, I was 14 years old. in 14? Um, yes, 14. So I had my first Taekwondo fight at 11. And then, yeah, my first kickboxing fight. I was in year 10. And it was on a Thursday night. So it was a super tough fight. I got leg kicked to death. Um, went to a very close points. Um, I just got beat. But uh, the next day I had at school and a little black eye and a, and a bruised leg. And I remember hobbling around. I was like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I had a kickboxing And then watching everyone's expression of me change. All of a sudden, I was a new kid and always a bit of a loner. All of a sudden, I had respect from the older kids and the even the teachers like, oh, oh, you've like become a man now almost overnight. Um, And I, I just always been the new kid. All of a sudden, I had like this, oh shit, people respect me now. This is, I like this. And then, even though I lost, I told mum that night when I got home. This, this is me. I want to be a fighter forever. I just love everything about it. Even though I lost the walkout, the 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 crossing the ropes, the uh, so even though I lost the fight, uh, I've come out of the ring and I was walking back towards the dressing room. and Someone in the crowd goes, "Way to go, Wayne!" and the whole crowd gave me like an ovation. And I felt like I was walking in a cloud back to the and I was oh. And that was from that moment, that's what got me. Was that that part of being accepted by the whole room. It's just like I felt like um just special. It, it sounds was.
1: like to me, like, especially in the early days, probably the later days too, but it sounds like the fight game energized you.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Like it, it gave you Acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. But, but it and it gave you a massive sort of um energy and uh, nearly a gratitude towards what it provided you
0: oh for sure and then having my dad there uh, um, as well that was a, a big part of it um, so so when I first started kickboxing so been about a year or so and one weekend uh, just out of the blue that goes let's jump in the car son we'll go, we'll, we'll go buy some boxing gloves so we jump in the car we go to like a sporties we get two pairs of tens no mouthpiece or nothing we get back to home we pushed the chairs out of the lounge room and that became our new uh, sparring room. So mum would be the referee, mum would count the time. So we, and then uh, dad used to punch the shit out of me. He was, he, he was, he, and every time I, he'd, he'd punch, give me a little jab, stop leaving with the head son, papa, stop bleeding with the head, <laughs> And then, um, so he, he was—he was. I had no idea what I was doing. And then, uh, after about a year or so, eventually, I just started getting on top of dad. And then, um, it was just as I was about to start winning that dad really announced your retirement. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it like, come on! I'm just like, oh, no, I'm done. I'm done now. You, you're doing well. You're doing good. You keep at it. <laughs> so, 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 so Richard uh, uh,
1: has sent you off to uh, a camp, and you've been finally accepted. To go into a Thai camp, yes, and um, you're living there, and you, you you did your stint there. You had your first Muay Thai fight. I tried to look through your record, uh, like it's, it goes for pages and pages and pages. How many, how many professional Thai fights did you have? Uh, a Muay
0: 140, 149. 100. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, 135,
1: and I had uh, 14 pro boxing. Yeah, so we'll, just, we'll park the boxing for a moment. Yeah. Uh, just put that over the side there because you fought one of my mates, <laughs> Nader. Yes. Uh, we'll we just put boxing aside. But but in Muay Thai, you had 135 fights. Yes. Um, how many world titles did John Wayne Parr achieve? Uh, ten. Ten world titles. Ten world titles. Uh, ten world titles. And how many times did you defend your uh, world
0: titles? Out of all, I only defended one. Um, that was in Japan. So I. Fought. This is Muay Thai World titles. Ah uh, yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. So you achieved ten mutai World champions. Yes. World championship. They in different weight divisions. What? How? how was uh, it? Mainly 10? middle. Uh, Between
0: seven and seven two and a half.
1: Yeah. So and then can we just flip over to kickboxing so I don't think you've got a world title for kickboxing you got, you got in the finals or you're very close to world, world title so just take me on to kickboxing what, what did you do there
0: uh, it's K1 K1 so there's, there's a yeah a massive massive organisation yep. in, in yep. Tokyo yep. Um, so yeah I fought um, an eliminator in Melbourne it was an eight man tournament I uh, had the fight three times in one night and uh, so I fought a gentleman. I, I knocked out my first two opponents. And then in the final, I fought a gentleman called Michael Zambides. Yep. He was a very Greek, famous Greek, Greek superstar. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a household name. He was coming to Australia regularly, beating all our guys. He lives in Greece now. Yeah. 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 He was, uh, he was on, uh, dancing with the stars in Greece. Yeah. And that really lifted his profile to superstar. So level. you, do you the same weight as uh, Zambides. Uh, yes. Wow. He, he, I mean, he's. have you seen him lately? He looks
1: – he's unbelievably yeah. – he looks, he looks, he looks, I've seen him on the back of boats and stuff like that, but I follow him on, on Instagram. But like uh, – so you thought – like he was a legend.
0: Yes. Oh, for sure.
1: So K1, Japan – We've had some great Australians uh, fight there in K1. I think Peter Graham, I think yes. Chief, uh, Mark Hunt, yep. I think uh, Adam Watt. Adam Watt, yes. yeah, as um, well.
0: I seen Adam Watt fight in um, Vegas as well. Yeah, another K1 in Vegas. watching. And, got yeah. to watch him and, and th- I'm
1: not sure either one or two of those might have won the world title. I think uh, Adam might have won the world title. Oh, it? Or Mark, was it? Mark, Mark Hunt. Hunt did. Okay. Um, so you you fought kickboxing. So. So you've—I you, you, don't know how many fights you had in kickboxing. How many fights do you remember? Oh, yeah, about maybe 10-ish. Yeah, okay, so ten okay. fights. and you had fourteen pro fights, boxing fights, here in boxing. Australia. Yep. So all up, what have you got? One hundred and fifty yeah, bouts. One forty-nine. Oh, okay, one forty-nine bouts. Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's that's. There's... I wish I had one hundred and forty-nine more. Uh, uh, I, I, you would like to? Oh, I, I miss it so bad. What's one of your greatest battles in Muay in the world title? So can you just because you have had some very famous ones the names of the people who are Thai guys, which I can never pronounce or remember. But just take me through some of them
0: that sit in your memory. Yeah, my two my two greatest ones are my Thailand world titles. Um, to to go to Thailand and compete in, in Muay Thai against the Thai in front of a Thai crowd um, was absolutely mind-blowing. So my first one um, is on a uh, promotion called the King's Birthday, King of Thailand Celebration. Uh, it's an open... Ah, have you ever seen the movie Kickbox with Van Dam? Yep. So at the very start, they're hitting pads and, these, hey, and they're in a park. So it was that very park that um, everyone... Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care.
0: comes to celebrate the king's birthday where well, they have a hundred thousand people come to to this um and uh we sing the birthday song and fireworks going off and all these festivities. And then uh yeah, I fought on it ninety seven and ninety nine. 99 what? So ninety seven I fought on ninety nine yeah, yeah. and then uh I lost because I'd never fought a hundred thousand people before and just a little bit too anxious and um, gassed out a little bit in the last round. Just Could, lost- can we
1: stop you there for a sec? Because yep. that's really important. I, I, I'd like you to know a little bit about that in your, from your point of view. Maybe explain to listeners um, the significance of what that means. I mean, when there's a, hundred, a crowd of 100,000 people, which you're not used to, and uh, your adrenaline starts to go hard, especially yes. before the fight starts, how that affects your gas tank, how that affects your tank. I mean, what yeah. is it? When you say you gassed out, I mean, it's not that you're not fit. You would have been super fit. Yes. But maybe explain what the adrenaline does to you and you know the effect it has on you in terms of making you gas.
0: Yep. So no, 97, I'd just been picked up by the number one promoter in Thailand. Um, so my first fight was in front of 40,000 people in an in a open park in the, um, uh, outside of Thailand, outside of Bangkok, sorry. And then my second fight was in front of 60,000. So I thought I had the crowd down to, I thought I could handle the pressure. And then uh, when I got invited to the fight on the King's birthday, um, we'd have to park the car half an hour from the, the uh, uh, park and walk through the crowd of shoulder to shoulder for what seemed like an hour. And then um, finally get to the tent. And like I said, that I've never seen so many people in one place before. And then when it was time to go to the ring, we had to get a police escort to get us through the crowd to try and push people out of the way. To, and uh, that in itself was like terrifying. And then um, being a white guy going through all the crowd and, and get them to the ring and then to look out, and it was uh, as, as ocean. Like, as far as you could see, it was just people, you know, 360, wherever you looked. And what then, does uh, it do to you? Uh, my legs went, because when you do the it starting the dance, my legs went weak. It's like, oh, no, uh, this isn't a good time for this to happen. Um, and then uh, I started the fight a little bit too fast. So, and then by the time I got to the fifth round, I just got a little bit uh, fatigued and fell over a few times, just cost me points. Um, so, and then the second time that I got invited to the fight in 99, uh, I was supposed to fight 98 as well, but uh, so, okay. So, yeah. so, so in Thailand, if you stay at one camp for so many fights, you, they own you. And then once you start building a name, if someone comes along and, and they want to buy the right, so let's say I'm, I'm John Wayne Boonshu, and you come along, yo, John Wayne, uh, you want me to change my name to Kmart, John Wayne Kmart. All right, I'll give you a million baht if you change your last name so you represent us. It's like a transfer fee. Yeah, like a yeah. transfer. So um, so I was at this camp for so long and then uh, uh, we had a big falling out. and I, I ran away and went to a different camp. And then the owner of that camp, the day of the, day of the fight in 98, he, uh, he went on the national news saying, if John Wayne Parr fights tonight, I'm going to take the promoter to court. Because I, he can't allow him to fight without my permission first. So then I the, as I'm taking my shirt off the fight, all right, John Wayne, don't worry about taking your shirt off. You're not competing. Um, so yeah, so I missed out in 98. Uh, and then 99, uh, because I remember f- walking out that first time and, and pooping my pants. So right, this time I'm, I'm going to visually just uh, get myself in the zone. So I'm going to walk out. So as I walk out, this now, they've got a stage now. So you walk up on top of the stage and now you can see a hundred thousand people. And then uh, just trying to tell myself, take a big breath, absorb it all. How many times you get to do this in your life? Um, just just, just love it. And then walking down the runway and then doing the dance and looking out into the crowd in between. It was just, um, yeah, it was magical. And then I ended up having the greatest fight ever. Um, ah, so another little story. So Richard's brother had only just died of AIDS like a, a week before my fight. So that was the main reason I was there. Since I was there... Um, to, to go to the funeral and to be part of the, 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 all that part, of the, um, Grieving. I, I said, uh, since I'm here, can not fight on the King's birthday? But I said, yeah, of course. So I end up, um, yeah, doing that, End up winning, having a greater fight. And then I, I believe the, the spirit of Richard's brother helped me that night because I asked him when I was doing my dance, oh, please, this is in my time. If you can, I've I've come all this way. Can you please give me a little bit of protection during my fight? And then I'm having a great fight. So then the, the next year I got invited back again. And this is when um, I was just supposed to fight a normal Thai and then uh, I was supposed to fight an orthodox fighter. So I get to the weigh-in and then Songchai, the promoter, he's like, oh, look, bit of bad news. We've got this um, Masato who was supposed to fight for the world title tomorrow, Japanese versus the Thai champion. And he doesn't want to fight the Thai because he's scared the Thai has hepatitis. Um, since he doesn't want to fight him, do you want to fight for the world title tomorrow instead? Um, and I already fought this guy once before. He was a saupor and... um. He was the most painfulest fight I've ever fought. He cut me 21 stitches, two cuts. Um, and uh, and training for six weeks for an orthodox fighter and the, <laughs> the, the change to a southport and 24 hours notice. I was like, ah. Oh. So I rang my trainer. He goes, this is this is perfect. What an opportunity. Um, I've got a game plan. I'll tell you tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you sleep tonight and then we'll work on the game plan in the morning. was like, ah, Sure. So uh, yeah, so we go to sleep that night. Can't sleep. Terrified. Don't want to fight this guy. I'm pooping my pants. And I wake up in the morning and I see the train I was like, Sanktin, what's this magical game plan? All right. So because he's Sao po, um, I think you should fight Sappor tomorrow. Oh, you change stance? He wants me to change stance. It's like what? <laughs> it's like no, no. You don't understand. Um, do you want to do a demo? It's like okay, yeah. Good, yeah, yeah. So if if um if you stand orthodox. And um, uh, if, if I stand orthogs and he throws a southpaw that, that elbow is going to go straight to the sleep. But if I stand southpaw and all of a sudden my lean hand is going to protect from that side where he's going to attack me from, ah, that makes sense. But yeah, it's so scary. That would have
1: confused him too because oh, he probably yeah. used to fight in southpaws. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, got out there and I said, I, I was just having this massive war with myself for the whole time after that going, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then, um, yeah, got out there and I thought, I'll stay southpaw, southpaw the first round, see how it goes. And then if it's no good, I just change my clothes. And then the first round came and went, and I was winning. The second round, I'm winning, and then end up winning all five rounds. And then um, I took his world title off him in front of a hundred thousand people, live on TIE TV. Um, yeah, it was such a such a magical moment. And then uh, yeah, got got back to Australia, and then oh no, sorry, I got presented the belt in front of all the people. I get back to the change room, and then the, the, one of the workers from the promotion comes up. Hey, I've come to grab that belt. And then my trainer had to explain hey if you want to the belt you got to order it um they put your name on it but you got to pay for it yourself that's just a presentation belt so, oh no so yeah, that sucked but um i ended up ordering one so that was okay and then uh, that was 2000 and then 2004 i get a uh, email from the promoter uh, at this stage i'm back in australia i've opened my own gym um, i'm married this is one of on the gold coast yeah i'm married i've got a little kid now i've got little jasmine and then um, the opportunity, another, this is an eight-man eight tournament. Uh, it's a world title, a million baht, which is about 40,000 Australian, and a trophy from the Prime Minister of Thailand. Um, and then the, the deal was you get 100,000 baht into the competition, and if you win, it's a million baht. Um, oh, that sounds amazing. So I, I went to a Thailand four weeks before the event, um, train right up, and then... Um, Day of the fight, my, my wife and my baby, Jasmine, arrived to, to come and cheer me from the stadium. And then uh, the first fight, I fought a Russian, where I beat him on points. Uh, the second fight, I fought a gentleman from France, um, who was a superstar at the time, and I, I was lucky to stop him in the third. And then in the final, it was it was a tie that had pre- previously beat me three times in a row. I'd never beaten this guy, and then here he was again. It's like, ah, not this guy. And he was a set for two. And then... um. Yeah, this is, but this time for some reason uh, luck was on my side and I uh, outworked him, outpaced him um, and then I beat him every round as well. So I uh, ended up winning the million baht, the uh, the trophy from the Prime Minister uh, and because it was live on TV and it was the biggest prize money ever given at that stage, uh, the next day uh walking through Bangkok I had taxis like screeching to us stop the jump out and ask for photos took took drivers to to be accepted by the Thais as a as a champion for the first time was just simply um I, I, I in my head I was like this is the dream I, I've actually achieved what I, what I, the, the whole purpose of being here and it's finally happening. So, yeah, it took eight years to get there, but I finally went from fighting for $30 in the small out stadiums to all the way to winning a million baht and getting a world title. So it was uh, definitely the the cherry on top of every, all the experiences. And
1: uh, can I just take you to your uh, decision to go
0: and box, pro
1: boxing? Oh, yes. So what, what drove that decision here in Australia, for, for example?
0: Um, so in 98, I, had, uh, I just got back from Thailand and then a friend of mine, Brad Vicali, who's a big referee here in Australia, he, uh, he rang me up saying, Hey, there's a boxing promotion in a week's time. Um, they're looking for uh, someone your weight. Uh, I know you haven't boxed before, but they're offering 100 a round. So four rounds is 400 bucks. But really? I'm in. So I went in there and then um, put the shoes on for the first time. i had done lots of boxing sparring in Muay Thai, but never professionally. And then uh, the first round, uh, thinking it was going to be similar yeah, it was completely different um, than my, the, my opponent, Jimmy Shannon. He was up on his toes and he's bouncing around. He's popping me with jabs and he's moving using the whole ring. And I'm sort of plodding around and trying to chase him and I couldn't hit him. And then I come back into the, the first round of my trainer's He's like, what are you doing? Stop waiting. Um, be first. Be aggressive. Just go. And then once he said that, that changed the, the whole thing. And then I just went there them and ended up stopping him halfway through the second and then uh, about a week later, Brad Vakala rings me again. Hey, there's a boxing event in uh, another week's time. Uh, 400 around once again. Uh, four a around once again, four rounders, another 400 bucks. Um, went out there and then took that same mindset and knocked the guy out in the first round. And this gave me, now I've got 800 bucks. So that gave me another um, spending money to go back to Thailand for another 12 months. So I lived off that 800 for, and, and lived off my prize money once I arrived in Thailand. So then I didn't think of boxing as a career at all. I was just main, I was mainly just to make money so I'd get the title in. And then 2001, I formed a, uh, a pretty special relationship with a gentleman called uh, Paul Briggs. Um, well, Ace well, boxer. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was Muay Thai guy first. He was a world champion in yep. Muay Thai and a hero of mine growing up. And then uh, he went to boxing. And then watching him achieve so many things, um, uh, uh, here I was. Thailand, and I couldn't get a sponsor. I couldn't get uh, – no one had any interest in title whatsoever. And then my friend Paul, all of a sudden he had guys giving him cars to drive and here's this and here's a wage. I'll put you on – and it's like, what? Um, but Australian. Just, yeah, 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 No,
1: no, no. He, he, Sydney Blake, Paul Briggs, wasn't he? From Sydney? Uh, no, he's Brisbane. Brisbane boy, here.
0: Yeah. yeah, Brisbane. Um, uh, but, yeah, just the opportunities that he was given just because he was doing a different form of fighting. Yeah. Oh. I want what he's having. If he's getting all this stuff, I want, I, I can do this. So I ended up joining him um, with Redwater House and then uh, took the got picked up by a boxing promoter called Bill Morty who was doing the Fox Sports shows back at the time. And then once he signed me, I ended up having like nine fights in a year, um, all on Fox Sports. Wow. All, yes. Um, he really pumped my profile really fast. And by my seventh fight, I won the Australian title and, um. Yeah, and then that's when I fought Nader.
1: Yeah, N- N- Nader Hamden. Nader so, but Hamden. you, so you were fighting middleweight, were you? Middleweight, so, so, so middleweight, or middleweight? Uh, yeah, yeah, b- between S- the two both. Yeah, 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 okay. So, and uh, and of course, uh, Jeff was Jeff Enick was Nader's coach. Yeah. Yes. So that's, how'd that go?
0: So this is the crazy one. So I was supposed to fight a gentleman from uh, Pakistan, um, Abdul Rashid. So I flew on down to Sydney to to fight a six rounder. So I'll get to the Sydney airport and then one of the gentlemen from the promotions there to pick me up. So oh bit of bad news. I get this a lot. Bit of bad news. Um uh, and, and Nader Hamlin's opponent's pulled out. So instead of fighting um Abdul tomorrow, do you want instead of fighting six rounds, do you want to fight twelve rounds for the IBF uh Pan Pacific title against Nader? Um, we'll offer you I was supposed to make f- uh four thousand, we'll give you five. Five grand? My God. Twelve rounds, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah, this is crazy. Five grand I never made. For, I've, the most I ever made was like fifteen hundred. So to make five grand, like this was um, this was crazy. So I've i accepted the the twelve rounds. I trained hard. I trusted my cardio, and then uh, yeah, the 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 first six rounds was was pretty competitive. Nader was probably a little bit on top, and then um, just a couple of rounds, I, I was switching my stance a little bit here and there, and then I sat sat down for the end of the, end of the six. And I said, go Southport. You see, every time you go Southport, it's seemed the confusing effect a little bit. So I think I think it's more better if you go Southport. So for the next six rounds, the last six, I went Southport. And then I, I believe I was just getting the a little bit more of an edge every round. And then um, at the end of the, the 12 rounds, uh, they've Nader the decision. And then uh, Andy Raymond come over to interview us both. So he interviewed Nader first. And uh, in a tough fight, uh, there's about 3,000 people there. And then um, the crowd booed Nader so bad when he was trying to give an acceptance speech. I felt really bad for him. I felt so bad. And then, uh, and then Andy came over to me. And then the crowd is standing ovation, just roaring. And I'm trying to do my interview, and I can't hear my spell over the speakers. The crowd was so ruckus. Um, so even though I lost the fight, I couldn't help but feel like I won the award like for the crowd. And there was live on Fox Sports too. So for the next month, every I went for the next month, I'd be at the bookstore looking at a magazine. I get tapped on the shoulder. You won that fight mate. Be <laughs> down the coffee shop get a tablet. You won that. And I was almost going to change my name though. You won that fight because everyone was saying, wherever I went, <laughs> wherever I went that's all I was getting. It was um yeah, it was very it was very cool. I, I told now fight.
1: you were coming in there. He said yeah, to Salo by the yeah, way. No, He's a good dude. Yeah, so
0: cool. He's so a good. Cool. Dude. So can I ask you a question? And this is a
1: question that um you know this this question is probably is the genesis of how UFC came about. Like you've boxed you've done kickboxing you've been boxed in a boxing pro- boxing sense and you've done a muay thai which is the
0: more lethal oh muay thai for sure
1: yeah well and and explain that to me because i mean we watch ufc and uh you know everyone watches ufc of course mma um and they all end up wrestling on the ground which is what your son's doing now he's doing jujitsu, jitsu yeah, yes. yeah cuz i've seen him compete a bit and uh, dad's very proud of him <laughs> and you got three kids haven't you yes yeah you got three kids and uh and you're a great family man but if you just, you know, you've spent a long time in the fight game and you've done all of them and you've achieved at very high levels, at the highest levels, why do you say Muay Thai is the more effective?
0: I'd done 12 rounds boxing for the uh, one of the titles. Um, so I was good for 12 threes. And then about two or three weeks later, the opportunity to do a five-round Muay Thai fight come up. Um, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, I've just done 12 rounds. I'm fit as a fiddle. Uh, and then when I did the Muay Thai fight when you incorporate the clinching and the knees and throwing legs, um, uh, the the amount of energy and cardio that it takes to throw a hard kick compared to a hard punch. Uh, when you're tired in boxing, um, you can get that second wind where you can keep driving. And I discovered when you get tired in muay thai, you just hit the wall and then your body just stops. <laughs> so and it's not a good place for it to stop when someone's trying to take your head off. Um, and then boxing, you have the luxury of fighting with padded fists. Whereas uh, kickboxing's uh, shins, knees, uh, bare elbows—not um, as much brain trauma, but more body trauma. So broken ribs and broken knuckles. And um, I've fighting with elbows. I've had uh, three hundred and fifty stitches in my face from uh, all the all the um, trauma. Um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, so so different to, to boxing. Boxing. Yes, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's an all-body fight instead of just the arm fight.
1: Only as a because I've never done Muay Thai. I, I don't know about it, but I've watched it a lot. And just one of the things that sort of that looks across my mind is that in boxing, you're right. If you've got ring craft, you can sort of buy yourself a rest. Yes. You can rest. You can move around a little bit, stay away, you know, if you want to. It looks like in Muay Thai you can't because if the, your opponent sees you're doing that, you, as you say, they'll jump all over you yeah. and... uh you can't jump over someone all over someone with boxing. It's a bit harder. You can, plus, you got the big, big gloves when you can't grab them and you can't pull them around the joint. Whereas Muay, Thai, you know, you, as you say, you're going to get caught knees, elbows, wherever. Yep. Is, is that is that why you think it's one of the reasons you think it's more dangerous um. as
0: a as a a sport. It's entirely uh, in two. You're you're also scored for walking forward. So you have two guys that will stand right in front of each other and just trade. So I have to believe in my skills that if you throw a kick, that I can bring my check up without having trying to retreat. Yeah. Um. And then I'm I'm in um fighting range to to counter and strike as well. So you just can stand there and you can both just bounce off each other, just trading for um, nonstop. It's 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 it's, qu- it's like a. Boxing is a science of the art of not getting hit. Whereas yep. Muay Thai, um, I want to show you that I'm a caveman and I'll, I can take more punishment than you can take. Yeah, it seems more brutal. Yeah, definitely more brutal.
1: In terms of, you're right because you got you to have to cop. You have to be prepared to cop the punishment. Yes. Um. You know, if you're, but if you watch boxing, someone like Mayweather, you know, undefeated. i mean, um, people are probably going to think I'm a heretic saying, but I used to find him boring to watch huh. because he was such a defensive fighter. Yes. But he just didn't get hit. Yeah. And but he still win. He'd win, but he'd get hit a lot less than anybody else. Yes. And uh, it seems to me that in um, Muay Thai, you have to be – maybe it's how you get brought up, like living and sleeping on the ground and all that stuff. I mean, you've got to be tougher, mentally tougher. That's my gut feel. Yes. Is that one of the reasons why coming out of Thailand, you see a lot of – you know they come into Australia to fight our fighters. That they, they might not be as skilled in boxing, but they're always tough. Yep, They, they can cop a lot of punches you Think that's the reason? Uh,
0: also, Thailand taught me the poker face. What's so, that mean? Uh, to show no emotion, no matter how bad you hit, how bad you cut, um, how, how much agony you're in. Uh, as soon as you give the slightest uh indication that you're hurting, um, your opponent will feed off it and they'll, they'll try and finish their job. So, um, yeah, you, you can't, you can't and zero expression. Um, that's the hardest part. And then when you come back to Australia and you fight other Westerners, it's like it's it's easy to pull the bluff. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's
1: important. And 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 so you you now live on the Gold Coast. We're back living on the Gold Coast. What's the name of your gym? Ubuntu. Yeah. So is, and now what type of gym is it? Is it all all disciplines or just uh, Muay Thai?
0: Yes. So uh, recently in the last three years we've incorporated uh, Jiu Jitsu, MMA, boxing. I would the boxing before, but uh, more more set now more regular. Uh, you can't just survive one martial art anymore with this, this day, and day with MMA. Um, everyone wants to broaden their martial art experience. So, um, I had a big fight against, uh, Anthony Mundine and that gave me enough money to, to buy some jujitsu mats and the to, to deck out the gym. And then we have a Brazilian, uh, Jiu Jitsu um, trainer. Uh, he's he's been such a big influence on my children and, and their our classes. Is he and, Brazilian? Uh, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Daniel Amada, He's uh, such a nice guy, and he's like the kid whisperer. Uh, we have four year olds and give kids classes, and everyone pays attention. And then uh, when he when he's when he calls stop to the round, everyone's like, "Yep, yes sir, no sir." It's it's really cool. It's really cool Could to
1: see because th- I've got grandkids, and i It's funny. I was trying to talk to some of it the other day, and uh, you know, typically in Australia, if you've got kids, uh, you know, on the summer they're doing surf club down down the beach and nippers and whatever and then in the winter they're either playing rugby league so- soccer or rugby rugby union or something like that and but then if you're if you're my grand my, my oldest grandson he's six, He's not really interested in those things so and i was thinking about well what could he do and i thought to myself his mother's anti-violence um which is fair enough because she sees footy as violent and i thought to myself what about if i i pay for him to go learn jujitsu that's not really a violent sport. I mean, oh. especially if they're all starting on the ground and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, you have it. You have kids going to your your gym. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, what are the benefits of something like that? I mean, and because Australia, you know, you guys have bought a lot of e- evolution in terms of how Australians view the fight game. Once upon mm-hmm. it was just boxers, Then it became Muay Thai. Now it's uh, UFC, etc. But really, for kids, jiu-jitsu's... A pretty cool sport to do. Oh, amazing. What, what do you reckon about that? Because your son's a ju- doing, is competing in jiu-jitsu now, but like you must have put him in at a young age. Oh, for
0: sure. And my daughter, um, she's nine, and she, she's in the gym every day. So every time I pick up the kids from three, we get home, we change our clothes, we're in the car by 3.30, we hit, and my kids are... Um, not one of them ever complained that never wanted to train. They're, they've got their little community with their own little kids their age and um, they're excited to train every single afternoon. Oh, so in that respect, I'm very blessed. So it's good socially? Oh, for sure. And get get the, um, someone with the same passion as you too makes it more fun. And then you're feeding off each other. The harder you train, the harder I want to train to match your, your enthusiasm. Um, but what do at, you think of the the physical benefits of it? I think with with the boys especially and uh, the girls um, – Kids are tough. Kids like wrestling. Kids like uh, uh, having a little bit of competition. Kids uh, and then a cold, controlled environment with uh, padded mats and got the soft bags and the soft pads. Uh, and then just getting a sweat and having having fun, and then uh, trying to express yourself. Like you might do it like uh, at rolling, you might pull off the move that the instructor told you of what that special move for that day was, and just having that uh, that feeling of reward of being able to achieve, um, and then and then not getting hurt too, and then the best part is having the confidence of I have a skill now that I know if I'm ever in trouble that I can I can use that to protect myself. Um, not that I want to use it unintentionally or, or, in a bad manner, but I want to know that I can have confidence that if I, someone tries to take my wallet, I can, I can defend myself or until someone helps me at least. Um, yeah, that, uh, I think it teaches kids not to fight because you learn early that it hurts. Yeah. Um, it's like I'm, I'm in a control environment and I know if I don't tap, that's going to be in, put me in a compromise position. So, um, so yeah, I, I know for a fact that I don't want to fight. I'm learning to fight, so I don't have to fight. Yeah, and that, and it makes a lot of sense. And it's all,
1: physically it's good too for coordination and stuff like that. You've made a, you know, you've lived your life as a fighter. Um, apart from your achievements, it's it's actually helped you live a, live a life. Like uh, you're relatively speaking, young man still. You got a young family. You got your gym. Um, I see you have got your monster t-shirt on yeah. there. I mean, I I saw you in Perth a couple about a year ago. or So, ago, yep. monster. They look after you. They, I mean, they, they, they take, they oh, send you places, and so lucky uh, and I've been watching some of the stuff. Where you had, you had a lot of traveling. Was it last year? Maybe this oh, year. this year. This year, a lot of traveling. A lot of traveling. And uh, where you're sort of sponsored to do things. Um, how important is, has that been to you? And how do you build relationships with these organizations? I mean, how do you do that?
0: Oh, very blessed. Um, I have a gentleman called Hans Mollenkamp from America. Um, I was, had a competition in. Um, uh, California. I was going to go and compete, and then 2015, he, he sent me a message. Hey, um, I want to I want to help you with this event. Uh, how would you like to be sponsored by Monster? I'm like, wow, that would be so cool. So I thought it was just going to be a one-off gig, and then um, since then we've, we've built a relationship. And then uh, uh, I just re-signed for another two years, so I'll be ten years with the company. Ten years. Uh, ten years with Monster Energy. Um, they've been so good to me. Uh, special events like the UFC and um, the the um, Grand Prix and the, the racing cars, um, and then working with uh, Cam Waters. I'm going on like uh, was it when they do those track days? Uh Cam's so cool to, as well.
1: But you get to meet other people because I know they, they sponsor Young Ryan. I uh, guess. But I think he was over there in Perth. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, you get and to he's meet pretty. Too. It, yeah, as well. well, you meet cool people, cool, like, people. Uh, interesting people. Well, it strikes me you're still the same kid, but you know, an older, older body, yeah. but still the same kid. Um, and it's just been a wonderful ride for you, oh, being it's it.
0: so amazing. I'm so lucky. I have martial arts in my life. It's just kept me sane. Uh, like I was saying, being the only child and always been. I've always had martial arts as my, my, my. Focus. Um, uh, I've had it's one direction my whole. This is the hardest part about being retired because for thirty five years I've only had one focus: next fight, next fight, next fight. And then um, that's always kept me away from like doing bad things. Like I've always had: I can't go here, I can't go to that party, or I can't get involved with these people because can't this, drink because this is the trying. direction I want to go. And I, I, if I don't want to jeopardize that by by shooting myself in the foot and getting too loose, or um, so, and then you retire. And then all of a sudden, that whole focus and that whole goal and that whole dream, it's just, it just stops. It's like, ah. And then, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's so hard. It so sucks.
1: But do you feel as though then the next phase of your life is about inspiring and motivating others to live... Or, or experience the life that you've experienced.
0: Yeah, um, with with my kids, I, it makes me so uh, proud to see them achieve their own martial arts dreams. Um, with with Jazzy going to the boxing and um, Jesse with doing jiu jitsu, like even though it's martial arts is completely different world and different different community to what I was brought up with. So um, yeah, it it, um, it 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 yeah, it's just um, they they're my main goal now, but uh, to have. To be the man for so long, and then to have mm. it just put the handbrake on—it's like, it's done. It's you like, you ah. think all of it? Do you think it happened a bit too sudden? Uh no. I, I knew it was coming. Um, and then I got to that stage where I was forty-five now. I had my last fight at forty-five years old. And I knew I was getting long in the tooth. It's like ah, oh. and then when you start seeing other older gentlemen, you think, oh come on, mate, time to give it away. And then all of a sudden, I'm that guy now. It's like ah, oh, no, what happened then? I remember being the guy chasing the dream, chasing the champ, and then everyone chasing me. And then um, and then yeah, you're in the magazines, you're on the TV, and then uh, all the international adventures as well, fighting overseas, and oh, you're fighting in Italy, you're fighting in Jamaica, you're fighting in Japan, and then uh, all of a sudden it's like. The handbrake
1: goes on. Well, I don't know. It's funny you should say because, but I do know when I, when I saw you in Perth, and I think I saw you in Sydney too, um, the UFC, Sydney UFC, everybody's still, there's uh, John Wayne Park, like everybody <laughs> effectively stopping. You get a photograph and stuff like that. So th- there is still a, a relevance there. I mean, I guess you enjoy it. Otherwise, you wouldn't put yourself in that environment. You wouldn't put yourself in the public environment. But yep. you enjoy... Being friendly towards people. Yes. I mean, that's the thing that you know, I got, struck me. This guy's so friendly. He's yeah. a friendly dude. Like, uh, do you put that down to the discipline that you learnt in Thailand when you were, as you say, sleeping on the boards and you Ooh, know?
0: So when I was younger, um, I just got back from Thailand for the, my first six month uh, trip. And I remember being at the fights and I seen a, a famous guy, um, his name was Ian Jacobs. Uh, he, he was like a like a hero to me and then we sparred a few times. So I had him up on a pedestal and then I remember he was walking past the crowd and I've jumped off from my seat and I've, I've given him a wave and he's given me the look and then he just kept walking without any acknowledgement. I just sat back down in my chair and it's like, oh, I just felt heartbroken. And I thought, oh, I never want to be that guy. I never want to not say hello to someone and make them feel like they're inferior so, um, so I now go out of my way. If someone comes up, if, whether it be young or old or I always go out of my way and give them like five minutes, so I say, say, day, have a handshake, get a picture. And then they got that. And we, cause it only takes one person to tell 20 people that you're a dickhead. <laughs> if yep. But if you're nice to that person, they tell 20 people, Hey, he was a really nice guy. So, um, yeah, I learned that definitely early in my career just from what happened to me. So yeah, use oh, okay. he, that
1: experience. Well, John Wayne Parr, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you today. Um, I have to tell you, you're one of the most infectiously <sighs> likable people hey. that I've ever met. Um, and, but equally on the other side of it, you're one of the most accomplished fighters Australia has ever produced. Ever. Hey. And uh, I, and, and in that regard, fr- from my point of view and for our audience point of view, it's
0: been a great honour, mate. Mate, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, from the first time we met, uh, I just felt like uh, – you're, I tell everyone to this day, you're like the long-lost uncle. And then every time we've seen each other at the hotel, I just felt like we had a connection. I'm so totally. humbled that yeah, I got the invitation to come and have a chance. Oh, mate, it's great content. to be here.
1: It's so important for us. And uh, you know, and it's important for, for me to put great Australians out in front of the rest of the audience. Yeah. And you're one of them. Oh, no, thank you so much.